tonight, by the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you from the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to, I'm going to use this passage here for a few moments to speak what I feel that the Lord is wanting to do. I, I really believe that uh, the Lord has put a word in my spirit about uh, how the church shapes culture. And before I read my text, I, I just want to talk to you about it for a little while. Don't start your clock yet. I'm not preaching yet. But I, I want to talk a little bit about how the church shapes culture because uh, if the church is not affecting the culture of your home, the church isn't really doing anything. If the church is not affecting the culture of your day-to-day -day life, the church is not really being affected. And so the truth is, is the church was not called to fit into culture. We were called to come out, but you have to come out in order to lead. I'm going to let that set just for a moment. The church was not to come out from the world and duck our heads and walk around as a second-class citizen. We were called out of the world into His marvelous light to lead them. Mm, I feel the help of the Lord in the house. He's called us to lead them out. And so we've got to understand that God doesn't call people to go sit in a corner somewhere. God calls people to lead. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them you are a leader. You are a leader. Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. You want to stand? You may be sitting a while. Matthew, if you don't, that's fine. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read about four verses here from Matthew 5, and I'm going to start with verse number 13. You could probably quote, many of you could quote this passage with me tonight. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light to all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify the Father which is in heaven. Lord, help us right now to speak what you've laid upon my heart. I pray now, God, that the revelation you have put in my spirit somehow rolls out of my tongue, off of my tongue tonight and into the ears of this congregation that the hearts of your people may receive what you are speaking to the church tonight, Lord, for where I fall short, the Holy Ghost is going to move and speak expressly to CLC tonight. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now look at your neighbor and tell them you are a leader. God bless you. Whether you know it or not, you are developing culture with everything that you do. If this church is not what we think it ought to be, then we need to make the change to make it what it ought to be. We can do that. It doesn't happen overnight, particularly when we're dealing with a group of people, but it starts with a change in me and then those whom I affect. And before long, that new action begins to catch on. They say we can do something uh, in, repetitious, in, repetitious, in repetition, 
for about three services and we have started the trend of a culture. But it may take two to three years depending on uh, many elements that it takes a while for culture to actually set in. I, I want to talk to you a little while tonight because I, I don't want to just speak uh, to you tonight on uh, the culture of CLC, but I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight about what the church is doing and how the church is shaping your home, your family, your personal life. Because if the church is not having an effect on you, you are not engaging in what the church is doing and what the church is about. So it's real easy to come and to be a bystander, to sit on the outside, to sit on the outskirts, and to not step into the process of development. Everybody say discipleship. This is what it's all about. It's We can come to the Lord and repent and be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and be part of the church. But there is a process called discipleship that we must go through. It is the work that God is doing through the church and His Word and the Holy Ghost that is developing in us what He wants us to be. Now, nobody develops in that process at the same pace. The, it, it is always uh, individualized. God works with people at different paces. People who truly submerge themselves in the things of God will develop much more quickly than others. Those who stand at arm's length and they want to come for the worship for a little while but don't really want to engage, is not. you're not going to see the development that God is wanting uh, out of you and wanting to do in you your life as quickly as one who steps in and says, I want to be part, and they embrace everything that God is wanting to do in your life. So be careful about blaming the church, the programs of the church, the ministries of the church, the preaching, the worship, whatever it is. Be careful about blaming them for uh, being where you are because your, uh, your motivation toward the embracing the culture of the church, which by the way is not a white culture or a black culture or a Hispanic culture. It is a Jesus culture because there's no place in the church for racism. Jesus doesn't see any color. That's why I thank God for what he's doing in the church. And if we're not if you're not on board that God came to save the soul of mankind, then we're missing the boat. And so we have an uphill battle to climb in some hearts if we are not open to the fact that God came to seek and to save them which are lost. And so God never intended for the culture to shape the church. And this is where I want to begin tonight by talking to you a little bit about being careful about how the world can easily shape the church. The trends of the world become popular in the church until we reach a point whether, where you can't tell who is in the church or in the world. And so therefore God is expecting and calling the church to stand out and to stand apart and to lead culture. There's always going to be subcultures, but the culture that God has created, He actually was the founder of the church, the beginning of the church, and the starting of the church because at the beginning of the New Testament, at the death of Jesus, was the foundation and the start of the new church. And so he himself gave direction to the apostles on how and what to do. And by signs that followed them was the birth of the church. And, and, and the church was founded. And it was a culture that he had decided, that God had decided, this is how I want the church to be. And so now here's where we come into play because we get... Uh, in this great Jesus culture, if you please, we get in the church and we're, we're 
a ways down the road. And so when we get in the church, we can easily fail to recognize that our actions, both good and bad, are affecting the culture of the church. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight about some of the things that you do or don't do that may be affecting the culture of the assembly. But above and beyond, I want to talk to you tonight about how you, about how the church should be affecting you and affecting your family. If the principles that are preached and taught from the pulpit are not adopted into your family, then church is what we do on Sunday. But then we go ahead and live how we want the rest of the week. The church isn't doing us a lot of good. What God is really wanting in us is for the culture of Sunday to become the home culture of Monday. Uh, You're not going to help me tonight. What God is wanting is what you feel and see here to become the culture of your home. I want the culture of my home to be, we ran a little late tonight because I stood by the piano because Dylan was wanting to be in church. Hi, Dylan. I'm sure you're watching me tonight. Uh, He was on the piano and the Holy Ghost was in my house. Oh, you don't want me to talk about it tonight, but there must be an atmosphere created in your home that is open to the things of God. Dylan sat down on the piano and began to play and I felt the presence of the Lord sweep in. And so although that he may not be able to be here in the house of the Lord tonight, I just stood by the piano a few moments and enjoyed the presence of God in my home. If you don't know what I'm talking about tonight, you need to get engaged a little bit in what I'm talking to you about. We've got to take the culture of the church And it's got to become the culture of our home. See, we come to church and dress one way and talk one way and act one way and go home and our vocabulary changes. Our actions change. And the church starts being what we do on Sunday and Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday. When the truth is, in order for the church to have the effect that God is really wanting to do, you're going to have to start making some changes in your home. Now, how do you make those changes in your home? One change at a time. It starts with some of the small things. You've got to get the victory over some things. Sometimes it's the victory over the TV. Turn it off. It's hard to have some of the garbage that's coming in to your home through the television and expect there to be some spiritual environment. Oh, you know, you don't like it when I talk to you. The truth tonight. What I'm trying to tell you is you can't pipe filth into your home and garbage into your home and expect there to be some environment that is mysteriously different. If you want an environment of the Holy Ghost in your home, if you want God to inhabit your home, your home is going to have to be a place of prayer, of praise, and of worship. It will never take the place of corporate gathering of worship, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. But we must create an environment in our home and in our family. And the priest of the home ought to be responsible to take charge in creating that environment in your home. You are the salt. I could go a lot of different directions here tonight, but I want to be, I, I want to stay on point with what I, I need to say because I've got so much to say and so little time to say it. God never intended for the culture of the world to shape the culture of your home. That's why He put a church in the world. The church ought to be shaping the culture of your home. The idols in your home. Ought to be those, you ought, your, you and your kids ought to idolize those 
You, you, you ought to have, and if, if the only time you read your Bible, I know this isn't original, but if the only time you read your Bible is when the preacher's preaching, there may be some issues in your home. If the only time you praise on Sunday and Wednesday when you're in church, there may be a reason why the culture of your home is the way it is. See, you can't raise your kids in a pig pen and expect them to come out smelling different from a pig pen. When you come forward and we dedicate those babies, and that's always a very precious setting, and I always love being able to dedicate the babies, but when you come forward and we dedicate your baby, it is up to you to go home and create an environment of godliness and righteousness and truth in the home. You are the salt, but the problem is is when the salt loses its savor. You are the light, but the problem is is when you walk out and the light is hidden because we don't want anybody to think we're... Parents came to me the other day. Kids asked them, in school a few questions and they put everything they put down. What do they want to see? A lot of people get the Holy Ghost. Teacher scratching their head. What is this about? I got to be careful. I don't want to offend any children here tonight. We're creating a culture. When people ask questions, we got to have some answers. I'm not afraid for somebody to ask me about the Holy Ghost. I'll be glad to talk to them about the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because it's part of the culture of my life. See, I'm comfortable in my culture. Because this is the culture that God intended for every life. And so let me go a little further. Everything we do is training. And so if we're going to make the changes in our home and in our family that we need It's going to be a process. You're not going to walk in. I'm not going to preach this message tonight and you're going to walk in tomorrow and everything in your home is like a light switch has gone off. Pardon me if I ruffle some feathers with the statement I'm about to make. For years, we have magnified one trip to the altar changed everything. I still believe it does. But the culture of your home doesn't change with one trip to the altar. There's a process. Culture is a learned series of activities and norms. So for the culture of our home to change, we have to start doing one thing at a time. Like, okay, we're going to turn off the TV and have some family time. It starts being one step at a time. You can't go in tomorrow like a buzzsaw and just cut everybody down in the home and say, turn off all the video games, turn off the TV, get on your knees, start praying. We're praying an hour. Now get up and I'm going to preach to you for another hour. <laughs> doesn't work that way. You, you, can, you, can, you can just push them away. So you've got to be wise. You've got to learn where people are and learn to meet them at the point of where they are. And so you've got to, you, you have to look at, at, at the environment of what you have. And when you get ready to make those changes, maybe it starts with small issues like uh, we're going we're gonna to turn the TV off for an hour and have some family time. Next month we'll try it for two hours. But we're going to do, it's going to be a process that we're going to walk into. We're not going to start out telling our children, we're, you get down and kneel and we're going to pray for an hour if you don't have prayer in your home. You got to start where you are. So you got to start with, some, with, with, with something. So if you get down and touch God in five or ten minutes, that's good. Let that start the culture. Next month you'll be at 10 or 15 minutes. But it's a process. See, I'm trying to help you understand how you establish culture. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. The things, times of worship and times of spiritual uh, gathering together. You may not be musical. Maybe you are. Some of you have instruments in your home. That's good. Call your kids together. Sit down and play some music. Have them sing. It's amazing what will be developed. Have some conversation about a message that's preached or about a sermon or about a thought that you've read. 
See, these things, I'm talking to you about developing the culture and how you can change the culture of your home. You can't complain about what the church is going to be in two to three years because you're the one that will decide what kind of atmosphere is going to be in the church in the next two to three years. Somebody said to me the other day, you remember when we used to run the aisles? I guess I failed to realize that we don't still run the aisles. But then I realized that it has been a while since anybody, you see there's some things that can be lost. Because some of these little guys don't even know what to think if somebody ran the aisles because they have never seen anybody. Hmm. Remember when, we, you, remember when we used to dance in the Spirit? When we weren't ashamed, when we sang the presence of the Lord is here, people got out in the aisle and danced in the Holy Ghost. We can change the culture of the church very quickly. As a matter of fact, your engagement in what God is doing is setting the tone for what is acceptable or not acceptable. You are teaching every new member of the church. Every new person is learning what the norm is, what the culture is of Christian Life Church by looking around. What's everybody else doing? That's why that we have, some people have asked me, why do we have standards that are on our platform and things that are expected? Because what you see on the platform week to week is becoming the accepted culture of those who are looking at leadership. That's why everything that we do from our worship, our prayer life, our dress, our attitude, our actions, all of these things are speaking to the culture. Your actions are creating the culture for the future. So you have to ask yourself, am I responding the way that I want the church to respond in two to three years? I used to hear people say, well, these kids nowadays, I tell you what, are you teaching them? Look up here across this front row with all these young men, all these handsome young men in Branson. I'm just kidding. All these beautiful young ladies. See, there is a culture. I want you to understand a dynamic that has taken place over the years at Christian Life Church. See, in some churches, it's cool to sit on the back row. If you're sitting on the back row tonight, it's probably by necessity. I understand. This is no, this is no hit at you, okay? But in some churches, it's the cool thing for the kids to sit on the back row and chew gum and sit down, slump down. That's the culture. That's why it thrills me to see these young people and young adults that get here early to get on the front row. And if there's not enough seats on the front row, we'll create a second front row. Because it's the popular and in thing to do. I don't know about you, but I would much rather that environment than an environment that I don't want to be part of what God's doing. I don't want to be plugged in. See, if you want to be involved in crowd included, come on up here and get your front row seat because this is where it's happening. So your actions is telling these young people what is acceptable and not acceptable. That's why that's why we say things and do things and act ways. Everything that we do is we are teaching, we are training culture, particularly, hear me tonight, elders. I respectfully speak to my elders tonight that are in this room. But the things that you praise, the things that you affirm, are having much more weight. Well, it doesn't really matter what I say. Yes, it does. 
You are affecting. People are listening. It is accepting. That's why when I preach strong and I preach hard and I see our elders standing, giving a strong amen, when we come to the altar and I see our elders with hands raised, that's telling all of these that are around, that's how you respond to strong preaching. This is how we stand. This is how we feel. This is what you do. Culture. I know we're not running the aisles right now, but I'm about as anointed as I ever am on a Sunday night. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost because there is, somebody said, explain to me about the shift. I'm going to tell you about the shift that you hear talked about in the church today. The shift is, is that there are some that are downshifting to some casual go to church and leave like you came, but there are some that are shifting into a more apostolic realm, anointing authority and determined we are going to be part of the end time revival that's what we're talking about glory to God glory to God glory to God for those of you that's visited Lebanon at the karate dojo in Lebanon we have mirrors. It's a little room. If you've seen the videos, it's a little room. And you could stand just right and get the video just right, and it could just look like hundreds of people because they got mirrors on both sides. Far as the eye can see. Those people are wearing the same clothes. Look at them in rows. They look remarkably alike. And there's rows and waves, eight, nine months. And look at this church, how it's grown. We have mirrors. And so when you're in service and you're worshiping and you turn, it's like, whoa. (laughs) Paula, there's a little story. A lot of little stories. My wife tells this story. She's much better at it than me. She tells about Paula going to the mall and she's walking through the mall and she looked up and she saw this apostolic lady and she thought, oh, she looks like a nice lady. I'll go over and speak to her. And so she turned and she looked and she waved and the lady waved back at her. Yes. Yes, it was a mirror. In Lebanon, we have these mirrors, and these mirrors don't lie. Because when we're in church, and you look over, and you're like, man, look at that dude. He looks like he's miserable. That's the culture I'm creating right now. Now, I I may get strong here over the next few minutes, and don't let me offend you. Allow this to settle in, because I believe that I am on a... I believe the Lord has spoken to me to speak this to this congregation. But everything you're doing, whether you're in church or out of church, you are speaking to the culture of holiness. What we do in the church ought to be what we do out of the church, at school and at work. Don't get offended at me and disconnect right now. But, you know, you can come to church and look like everything's fine here, but then look different than... See, if we're going to lead the culture, there is something that is called our testimony. Don't lose your testimony with your friends because of what you do when you walk out of the doors of the church. There's, there's some things I'm just, I know I'm just shooting in a lot of different directions tonight. Um, I, I believe that preparedness of ministry so very important uh, Sister Brenda she does a lot of decorating and there's a little statement if I just ask Sister Brenda to yell it out she could yell it out real quick but um, around here when she starts to do something create something or whatever and they ask about budget and I usually say well we have no budget but we have enough budget to where we don't make it ugly because my wife says we don't do ugly and so whatever you got to do to make it nice we, we want to do things in a first-class manner because everything speaks. Everything we do speaks. And so 
Uh, when people drive in the holes in the parking lot, that speaks. Thank you, Brother Gary, for coming, patching the holes. I've been trying to get a machine up here, but there's only one of me in so many hours in a day, and I do have to sleep once in a while. And so uh, when I, I heard noise outside, went outside, Brother Gary's out sweating and shoveling and filling in holes, and I felt terrible, and we've got a machine sitting over here I need to have over. And, uh, but that speaks, and so the fact that, you know, it's not just because he doesn't want to drive through with his car bouncing. Uh, he was actually worried that Scott and Cassie would lose that little car of theirs and they were going to drive off in it. Just cover it over. It won't even notice. That little Prius just disappears. And so everything we do, the maintenance of the lawn, the cleanliness of the building, the restrooms, the greeters at the door and how they, everything speaks. Look at your neighbor and tell them everything speaks. Everything speaks. It's speaking to people. All of this has to do with culture. And so I don't want to be a pastor that is leading you in a backwards direction. That's why we always call it step it up. Somebody said, when are we going to ever stop stepping it up? Well, as long as the Lord sees fit for me to stand in the pulpit, I'm going to keep challenging the church. Let's try to get a little better. Because we're creating a culture, and the culture is we're, we, we're, we're seeing people come out of the world. We're seeing people come from all sorts of backgrounds and move into new, to new locations. There's some of you, and I won't embarrass you tonight, but when I first met you, I'd have never thought you were going to be where you are today. Thank God that the culture of the church started affecting your life. So the preparedness for our ministries. Why in the world do we have so many music practices? We have another option. Sister so-and-so, you have a song tonight. Feel it on your heart. Just come on up here and let's just... I've been in those churches. Well... Somebody just feel something on their heart, just feel a word, just stand up and leave it. That, Brother David started standing up. I got nervous. <laughs> Whew, thank you, Jesus. Whew, let's all just rejoice in the Lord of our salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> His face is red, my heart's pounding. That's why when kids walk in the door on Sunday morning, the classroom ought to be already operating and functioning. The music's playing, things look good, lights are on, doors are open, teachers aren't running around, oh, I gotta get this, gotta get. No, we gotta prepare in advance, see, because our actions speaking. Music gets up here, and Sister Cheryl's like, well, let's see, what key do we wanna sing this in tonight? Start the song, look at the drummer, ah, it's the wrong rhythm. Let's speed it up. I've been there. I've been in all those kind of churches. Preparedness speaks to the culture of what is important and what is not. You with me? Because everything is speaking. Everything is speaking. Your worship is speaking or the lack thereof is speaking so a few weeks ago we had a marvelous service in Lebanon and I say it's marvelous because I believe it was marvelous in the eyes of the Lord that day I took many notes of many things that went wrong in our Lebanon service and we discussed it and we tried to fix them we came back the next week and things went much better that's how we do it See, it's, it's more than just, well, just get up there and let her fly. I, I do have to tell you, folks, I spend time preparing sermons. I know sometimes you can't tell, but I spend time preparing sermons. Now, I'm going to tell you, the more text messages and phone calls and time that I, it takes me away from study, the less time that I have to study, the longer I usually preach. Just laying that out there. 
let that speak to you. <clears throat> People are going to be like, Pastor, we got this covered. You go on to the church and study. Everything that we do, our preparedness. When a guest walks in the door, and we have guests here tonight. I hope when you walked in that you knew we were expecting you to be here. And we are glad that you're here. If somebody was here, we should have had somebody. If, if everybody did what they should have done, and I know they did because I know these good people, they should have opened the door for you when you got here and welcomed you at the door. They should have spoken to you in the foyer as you're coming through. If you're here on Sunday morning, they've got coffee and, and pastries that are available free of charge. They, all you got to do is just step up and they'll serve you with a smile. When you came in, if you couldn't find a seat, we have ushers. Or they'll help you find a seat. Somebody's going to come by. They're going to ask you if they can help you. We're, we want you to feel welcome. See, that's our, I don't want to make our guests feel awkward tonight, but that's what we're trying to do because we want you to know that we want you to feel welcome here. See, when guests come to my home and I know they're coming, I turn the light on. They don't get there and I go to the door and I'm, they're like, I go looking out the door. Honey, somebody's here. Oh, hi. Yeah, we called and told you we were coming by. Oh. Well, yeah, come on in. See, when I know guests are coming, lights are going to be on. Like, however much time we have, my wife's like, get the house cleaned up, hurry up. She's on the phone today. Dylan, I know you're sick. Don't use that as an excuse. Kevin and Ferris Spangler stopping by the house. You better have that house spick and span before they get there. I, that place is, I know you, that place is a wreck. You get that place cleaned up before they stop. They, they're going to beat us there. I can't get there before them. You got to clean. Who's there? Nate's with you. You better have him help you clean up that house. When guests come, we want them to know, hey, we were expecting you. Come on in. Can I get you something to drink? Maybe some water. If you let me know in time, and I know you're a coffee drinker, we'll even have some coffee for you. Or I'll have some pop for you. I'll do something. Because I want you to feel welcome when you come in, see. See, we expect guests here. Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, special services. We expect guests to come. And we want, to, we want our guests to feel like you are welcome here. We were expecting you. You're not a surprise to us. Because we want you to be part of who we are. We're a church that's looking for people that says, hey, we want to be part of this culture that Jesus is creating for the church. I want this Jesus thing to affect me and affect my home and affect my... See, this is how this thing works. Oh, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost. I feel so good I could preach on and preach on. Spencer asked me if we were going to get out early tonight. I guess... He didn't ask if we were going to get out early when he was preaching today in Lebanon. <laughs> so, so your response, your response to preaching is saying this is how we respond to preaching. And your response in the altar call says this is what we do. So, you know, everybody works hard. The altar call is not like the after service. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have said, well, the preaching of the word is the most important part of the service. Actually, the response to the preaching of the word, which is what we do with it, the commitments that are made in altar service and the prayer afterwards, that moment is what everything else was about. This is, where the, this is the point of change in our life. This is when we make commitments to change our culture. So when we go to altar call, that's why it's so very important that everybody engages. 
if people are standing around and talking, that is a culture that is being created. And so we're working at that. We want that culture. We want that culture to be so that that people understand that altar call is an important moment in our service. It's not second rate. It's not time to go, you know, take a break and, you know, go smoke a cigarette outside or whatever. We come and this is the time we respond. This is how we do it. That's why it's very important for everybody to respond. So don't get upset with your kids. If you're not showing them, this is what we do when the preacher preaches. We go to the altar. We pray. We let God move on us. I don't know why in the world my kids acting the way they're acting. How are you acting? All right, so I finally got to my sermon now. So we are affecting, oh, I really wasn't kidding. But I'm not going to try to preach this whole thing tonight because I just finished page two of nine. So <clears throat> Jesus help you. You don't. So my point is that everything that you are doing is affecting the culture of the church. We were in Lebanon a few weeks ago, and we had a good service. Like 30 minutes ago, I started telling this story. And we, we were having a good service. And I noticed kind of what was happening. We had 41. It was a great day at 41. We had 20 CLC Frankfurt people, and we had 21 Lebanon people. Now watch, watch. It's 20 to 21. Who's the majority? So who sets the culture? So those from CLC Frankfurt that are there as leaders only have one choice. We have to create the culture. Because we have a lot of guests. And if we let the majority of the people are like. Through the whole service. So if our leaders get up and they're like, ooh, these people are scary. Um, that's, I'm going to do what they're doing. Before long, you got the preacher up there going, he's preaching and he's sweating and he's working and he gets through and Spencer got done and he's like, I don't know what went wrong. Nothing went wrong. The culture is just going to rain, folks. You're okay. Tornadoes, they come through here all the time. Don't worry. So, so nothing went wrong. The issue was is that we were outnumbered. And not all of the 20 completely engaged because we have a little issue. Now, can I talk to you? It's real talk tonight, all right? Some things I need to say. When we have special events, particularly like Christmas and Easter and that sort of thing, where we have 60, 70, and 80 guests with us, there's something that happens to, to, to a lot of folks here. You have to create the culture. Well, these people, man, they're not doing anything. Exactly. They don't know what to do. Show them. So you have to come in and say, hey, here's what we do. Hallelujah. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to be more outward. I'm going to be more forward. I'm going to be more exuberant to make up for Half the congregation that doesn't know what to do. Because the church must always create the culture. 
This is where I'm getting to. Come give them some hope on the music tonight. We must always create the culture. When it's time to worship, those who believe in worship, prayed up, saved, sanctified, must create the culture. Here's what we do. It's time to worship. I'm going to worship, not waiting on somebody else. I'm creating the culture. It's time to respond to preaching. What do we do? I have to create the culture so everybody else knows this is what is acceptable. Because if you don't, stand with me, because if you don't respond, you are being part of the counter culture. So you, I'm not being rude, but you are having a negative impact on the positive culture because of the lack of involvement, because of the lack of cooperation, because of the lack of stepping out and saying, hey, I understand, I never expect guests to know what they do if, they don't, if they've never been here before or only been here a time or two. They don't always know what's acceptable. We want them to understand. Sometimes we tell them, clap your hands. You know why we do that? We're trying to tell everybody this is acceptable. Lift your hands. Say amen. Say hallelujah. We're telling them these things are acceptable. And when the church responds, we're telling them it is acceptable to do this spontaneously. So we worship God spontaneously. If we have to tell you to stand all the time, tell you to clap all the time, we're not really getting anywhere. And so if you want this culture to go home with you, you've got to engage in the culture while you're here. You've got to practice the culture while you're here and then take what God is doing here and take it to your home, take it to your job, take it with you everywhere you go. If you'll apply the message that I preached or taught to you tonight, when you're not going to see a result tomorrow, but next week, next month, and the month after, and six months from now, you're going to start seeing a culture shift. There's going to be a culture shift. Your home will be a different place. Your work environment will be a different place. This church is becoming what you are creating through your worship and your response. I know there's not room for everybody to get in the front, but there's an aisle there somewhere. But if you want to be part of the culture of change that God is calling us to, I want you to respond tonight by stepping out, doing whatever you can, just by saying, hey, I'm going to be part of the culture of change. I want to be a positive influence. I want to affect our city. I want to affect our world. Come on, the church changes culture. I'm going to talk to you more about this when we have some more time. I'm going to come back and I'm going to complete this message tonight but God is wanting to change some things through you he's called you to be salt he's called you to be light he called you out of darkness so that you can be the change come on all over the building right now would you just seek the Lord for a few moments and ask him God show me show me a few things that I can do in my life what can I change tonight what can I do different tomorrow? King Jesus, my Savior, my Savior
I've already mentioned it now. I want you to do this sincerely between you and God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed where you are. I want you right now to ask the Lord in your own way. I want you to ask the Lord, God, I want you to show me three areas of my life that I need to make a change in. Show me three areas where I can change that I may be, uh, be able to affect the culture of my home, the culture of the church, the, the culture of, of, of my work in our school environment. God, I want you to speak to my heart and show me what I can do. Maybe it's a small adjustment. Maybe it's something very great that you can do. But I want you to ask the Lord right now, God, I want you to speak to my heart. Not a lot of fanfare. You and the Lord, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. You're asking the Lord now. God, speak to my heart. I want you to show me three things, God, that I can change that is going to change everything around me. Show me how that my personal life needs to change to have a positive effect on the culture of my home, on the culture of my church, on the culture of my work or school environment. Come on, ask the Lord that right now. Let Him speak to your heart right now. Let Him speak to your heart right now. When He speaks that to your heart, I want you just to lift up your hand and just start saying to Him, thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to me. Come on, lift your hands. And begin to tell him, thank you, Lord, for showing me what I can do for directing my path. Come on, this is a commitment service right now. We're committing to that change. We're going to, we're going to be different. We're going to walk out this door committed to being different. Come on, thank him for it right now. Would you lift up your voice? And with a strong, loud voice, would you begin to magnify the Lord? Would you begin to praise Him right now and thank Him? He's still speaking to hearts. He's still changing lives. Yes, He is. Come on, there's nothing off limits, God. Nothing off limits. Whoa. 